2023 to order. I am the DOS Commission President, Martha Knudsen. This commission meeting is being conducted pursuant to the provisions of the Brown Act. As noted on the agenda, members of the public may observe this teleconference meeting via sfgovtv.org and sfgovtv channel 78, and they may offer public comment by calling the published public comment phone number. I'd like to welcome the members of the public and staff who are watching us live on SFGovTV. The Commission asks and thanks for your patience during these unprecedented times. We respectfully ask the public to have patience and expect delays and gaps during the meeting, particularly during public comment. To eliminate background interference, all panelists and presenters that are presenting via WebEx are asked to mute themselves when not speaking or waiting to present. The San Francisco HSA DOS Commission acknowledges that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush Ohlone community and by affirming their sovereigns as First Peoples. Uh, Mr. Secretary, can you please take the roll? Thank you. Uh, commissioners, please respond with present when I call your name. President Martha Knutson? Present. Thanks. Vice President Janet Spears? Present. Commissioner Sasha Bittner? Present. Commissioner Wanda Zhang? Present. Commissioner Linda Parker-Pennington? Present. Commissioner Nelson Lum? Present. Commissioner Barbara Sklar? Present. And DOS Executive Director Kelly Dearman? Present. Thank you. We have a quorum. We cannot. Okay. Commissioners, the next item is item three, is communication. We'd like to provide further instructions for the public comment process. Public comment will be available on each item on this agenda and during general public comment. Both channels 78 and SFGovTV are streaming the number across the screen. Each speaker will be allowed three minutes to speak. Comments or opportunities to speak during public comment period are available via phone call. During each public comment period, viewers and callers will be instructed to call 1-415-655-0001, access code 2593 280-5359 pound and then pound again. When connected, you will hear the meeting discussions, but you will be muted and in listening mode only. When your item of interest comes up, dial star three to be added to the speaker line. Best practices are to call from a quiet location, speak clearly and slowly, and turn down your television or radio. You'll, you'll have three minutes to speak. You will be informed by the moderator when you have 30 seconds left. After 30 seconds, you'll be muted and placed back to listening mode. Alternatively, public comment can be submitted by email to ravi.derbige at sfgov.org. If you submit public comment via email, it will be forwarded to the commission and will be included as part of the official docket. Are there any other communications from DOS Commission members? Okay, we can move to the next item. Okay, thank you. Commissioners, your next item is agenda item four, approving the minutes of Wednesday, May 3rd, 2023, DOS Commission meeting. Are there any comments or questions from the commission regarding the Wednesday, May 3rd, 2023, DOS Commission meeting minutes? Mr. Seeing none, Mr. Secretary, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on this item? Do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment? 
Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Uh, thank you. There's no callers. Great. Thank you. Then hearing no further requests to speak on this item, is there a motion to approve the Wednesday, May 3rd, 2023 DOS Commission meeting minutes? Um, uh, moved by second. Commissioner Bittner and uh, seconded by uh, Commissioner Parker Pennington. Uh, can we please take a roll call vote to approve the Wednesday, May 3rd, 2023 DOS Commission meeting minutes? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Y. Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. <clears throat> and Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Great. Thank you. Then, Commissioners, um, item five is Executive Director's Report, and I want to welcome our Executive Director. <laughs> made a noble effort to get here today, so welcome. Good morning, everyone. Um, thank you so much. Okay, I'm going to start um, locally. Uh, first, DOS will commem commemorate World Elder Abuse Awareness Month and Day with a series of actions and events including some staff will be participating in a virtual walkathon designed to raise awareness of elder abuse. We're spotlighting our APS staff on our social media channels to bring awareness of um, all of our staff, bring awareness of what all of our staff does to protect elders and prevent abuse. And we're participating in a press conference and a panel discussion on World Elder Abuse Awareness Day, which is June 15th, to raise awareness in the media about these critical issues. Um, some of the participating organizations include the District Attorney's Victim Services Division, Self-Help for the Elderly, Asian Pacific Islander Legal Outreach, and the Institute on Aging. Um, other news within DOS, um, we are pleased and proud to welcome Maceo Person, who has joined as the DOS Special Projects Manager. In this role, Maceo will take lead on department projects focused on the disability community and LGBTQ community. He joins with a wealth of experience in both community-based organizations and local government. In community, Maceo began his work in Oregon where he joined Basic Rights Oregon to pass LGBTQ inclusive non-discrimination and domestic partnership laws. After spending eight years in Oregon, he moved to California and joined the Transgender Law Center. Uh, there um, at TLC, he mobilized transgender nonconforming and allied communities to secure trans-inclusive healthcare policies and strengthened California non-discrimination laws. He also managed and oversaw the TLC portion of San Francisco's trans employment program. Unfortunately, he could not be with us at today's commission meeting as he's currently participating in the AIDS life cycle. It's a 545-mile bicycle journey from San Francisco to Los Angeles designed to provide a positive, life-affirming experience for people affected by HIV-AIDS and stigma around HIV-AIDS and to support the work of the San Francisco AIDS Foundation and Los Angeles LGBT Center. So he will be here at the meeting in... July, um, so you can all meet him personally, but we're super happy to have him with us. Also, locally, as you all know, um, budget um, matters are underway, and um, uh, we will be presenting at a hearing next week, June 15th, to defend our budget to the Board of Supervisors, and we are hopeful that everything will go fine. I don't have any news to report on 
any other news to report on that. And at the July meeting, I won't be here, but um, our Deputy Director, Cindy Kaufman, will be here to present on what, um, how well we fared in the budget. Um, okay, on a state level, you all know that um, uh, the governor released um, his May revision. I think that was last week. So that kicks off the last month of budget negotiations at the state. Um, they have until, the state has until June 15th to pass a balanced budget. And the governor in his May revise focused on prudent fiscal planning, resilience, and restraint in spending. And it also points to some of the growing risks that could impact the state budget. Um, higher interest rates, uncertainty of financial institutions, and the delayed tax receipts until October of 2023. So because of this, there are some vulnerabilities, and so we're all being cautious. So um, the governor did propose to balance the budget by um, using several tools, such as spending reductions and pullbacks, um, delayed spending, some shifting of funds, um, and using some of the safety net reserve withdrawal. And um, in terms of key aging, aging issues, um, the May revision includes $20 million in general fund for 2023 and another 20 million in 24-25 um, to advance older adult behavioral health. So um, with the California Department of Aging, this will be to support the continuation of the Older Adult Friendship Line, which is a targeted media campaign for older adults, and competitive grants to local jurisdictions to build organizational capacity to identify and address older adult behavioral health and substance use disorder needs. So the May revision includes a six-month extension of home and community-based services spending plan. So um, that gets us to uh, September 30th of 2024. So that's for specified programs such as um, IHSS Career Pathways Program and the Senior Nutrition Infrastructure Program. Um, let's see. There's so much happening budget-wise, I don't mm -hmm. want to throw you all off with a bunch of numbers. But I will also say that for the APS expansion, the proposed budget includes almost $70 million in general fund money. Um, so um, that's good because we need a lot of, we need all the help we can get. And lastly, you all know that locally, um, um, the um, IHSS providers and the city reached an agreement um, in their bargaining, and uh, their hourly wages will go up to 19.25 on uh, July 1st. And um, the state is also making sure to provide um, extra funds um, across the state for caregivers, which is super important. Then at a federal level, um, we all heard that um, we're not going into debt, and the House and Senate passed the debt limit bill, um, so we're not going into default, I should say. We have plenty of debt um, on, ex on all the obligations that would have happened just um, two days ago. So the bill caps the overall spending level for non-defense discretionary programs for the next two years. This means um, that's freezing overall spending 
to roughly last year's um, non-defense discretionary spending levels, except for veterans programs. And then there's only a 1% growth of that total um, in 2025. But, of course, defense spending is set to increase in both years. So the good news is that the COVID-19 relief funding clawbacks will not affect any of the funding um, states have already received, nor will it affect funding that AAAs have received either from states or the federal government or funding that has been obligated at the local level to providers. The bad news is that by capping much of the non-defense discretionary funding, Congress will have less money to spend on a long list of key federal government programs, including um, the Older Americans Act and other aging, disability, housing, transportation, human services, and health-related programs and services. What we see is that this arbitrary restriction on non-defense discretionary spending, um, which is small anyway, it's about 15% of the entire budget, um, part of the federal budget not projected to grow beyond the size of the economy or to cause future deficits, this is deeply disappointing and in the long run will have an ineffective solution to addressing the nation's long-term debt. So there will be a lot of advocacy that will be needed on the federal level around this because just the things that I listed, housing, transportation, disability, all of those things are only gonna get worse and um, ignoring the problem does not help it. So lastly, um, I just want to announce, hold on, I have to find it, that um, at the U.S. Aging Conference that will be taking place in July, um, we are getting uh, an award for aging innovations and achievement for home-delivered groceries. We had two submissions, but they combined them into one. And the CBA, CBOs who should be honored for that are Bayview and Central Latino. So congratulations, and I think that's all I have. All right. Well, we certainly want an executive director who does understand in that level of detail all of the budget. <laughs> so thank you. That was. I don't necessarily understand it, but I can. No, it was a very comprehensive and very helpful report. Thank so thank you. Any other questions and comments from commissioners? Anything else? Just one question, will the CBOs be traveling to the conference or will you be representing? So the yes, conference? they will be traveling. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so okay. it's, it's really good news. We're super happy for them. Because San Francisco does like amazing things, so it's wonderful to be honored. Um, okay, we'll move to employee recognition. Commissioners, item six is the DOS employee recognition. Executive Director Dearman, President Knutson, and the DOS Commission will honor the entire collaborative caregiver support team who are at in-home support services. Great. While you guys are moving up, I'm going to say all these wonderful things about you. The Collaborative Caregiver Support Team, CCST program, was created to enhance in-home supportive services for the elderly and adults with disabilities who live in permanent supportive housing sites. Through a collaborative approach, the CCST model embeds a team at each designated site consisting of a de dedicated IHSS social worker, on-site case managers, property managers, and home bridge. 
The aim is to improve residents' health outcomes, reduce evictions and lease violations, and increase connections to vital home care support. Elizabeth London, Yoon Sun Choi, Viviana Antiveros, Amanda Callow, Kalisha Moore, Shannon Haskin, Tao Lam, Gerald Booker, Juan Asensio, Gabriel Castillo, and Latarsha Green have all worked tirelessly and diligently to help get the CCST program up and running. They have helped strengthen our partnership with PSH residents and community partners. Their flexibility, dedication, and advocacy in making this new program a success is above and beyond and greatly appreciated. Our CCST program began in November 2021 as a pilot with one social worker in three sites. The CCST unit and their hard work and dedication has contributed to the success of this program. This talented and dedicated group of social workers serve IHSS client and permanent supportive housing sites with a client-centered approach. Through their thoughtful and collaborative work, this team has served clients in need of IHSS services as well as decreasing barriers to service. CCST social workers assist in applications, education on IHSS services, and assess recipients for services to remain safely in their home. Due to the efforts of the CCST program, this program has grown to 64 sites and has successfully enrolled new recipients and increased referrals at PSH sites. We at IHSS and DOS would like to recognize and thank all the members of the CCST team for all their hard work and dedication and let them all know how fortunate we are for their commitment to this project. Thank you all again and congratulations on being the June DOS Employees of the Month. I'm going to take a picture. Does anyone want to say? So who's going to who's going to speak on your behalf? We <laughs> work as a team. We work as a team. We supervise the and has the bulk of the of the team, but we could not have done it without excellent social workers. They are the top of the the bunch and. Our community partners are outstanding, so we could not have done it without them also. Thank you very much for your recognition. I think really what Liz mentioned, without them, it would not be a successful program. It was hard starting up, and 64 sites are a lot of sites to cover. However, they've done effortless work, and I'm very grateful for all the work you've done. Thank you so much for the recognition. Congratulations, you guys. Yeah.
Um, the one thing I just want to say to you all is IHSS is near and dear to my heart, as you all know, having come from the public authority. And this is really um, showing um, what IHSS can do and how when we all work together, it can be so fantastic. So I really thank you all. This is a model, I think, for the entire nation to look at for how, how if we all work together, we can really get things done to work so great for the, the people that we serve. So I just want to just add an additional thanks for all of that. And on behalf of the commission, I also just want to underline everything that was said today. I have a feeling you all do even more than what we just talked about today. I bet you it's on top of other things. And um, I really appreciate that you, you are the, the people who step up and do that for our most vulnerable population. So thank you uh, on behalf of the commission as well. All the uh, advisory council report. Okay, commissioners, item seven is the advisory council report presented by advisory council president Diane Lawrence, who is joining us via WebEx. Right, welcome. Uh, good morning, commissioners, executive director Dearman. Um, I have two brief reports this morning, one for this morning for the advisory council and also for the joint ledge. Um, we met on the 17th, we had a guest who is a potential member who added a lot to the discussion we had. There was no quorum. And since uh, we had found out from the city attorney earlier that week, without a quorum, we cannot meet. And so um, we had a discussion, which we could, we could take no action on anything. Um, we will be, um, I will be informing the council. I already have the memo draft. Uh, about this and we're going to ask that they confirm their attendance on the Monday prior to the meeting so that if we have to cancel we can and not have everybody come down to 1650 and especially if we have a guest speaker that would be rather embarrassing. We did share in that discussion um, the video of the Board of Supervisors recognition. Um, the Board of Supervisors a recognition of DOS, and that was wonderful to hear, and some of the comments from the, the uh, from the supervisors. Uh, we have a our next meeting is the 21st, and we have um, a guest speaker scheduled to come from the village. Um, we also did a brief discussion on uh, a letter of support. Uh, regarding AB uh, 229, which would modernize the in-person requirement of the Brown Act. We will be discussing that at our next meeting and finalizing and getting that ready for approval. So that was it. Are there any questions? Any questions from commissioners? No. I, I don't see any. Thank you. Yeah. And just one quick note. We're still struggling with uh, five districts to get representation, and Ravi has that list. It hasn't changed. Question? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, uh, uh, could you uh, say more about which districts you're trying to get representation in? One, five, seven, nine, and 10. We have reached out to them multiple times. Thank you. So any help would be appreciated. 
We're doing okay on commission appointees, but not. And the um, supervisors are very cooperative in reappointing their representatives, so that's good. But that's still out of 11, that's, that's a large gap. Yeah, that's what's leading to quorum issues. Okay, um, do we wanna call the legislative report then? So it's partially the same issue. Uh, we had no quorum and um, Cindy and I will have to discuss what we do about uh, referrals. We had a brief discussion. Uh, we are uh, one member down on the, um, we have a, an opening on the council side and I have people who are interested in filling that so we're good. And we do have one commission member uh, that's where I have one vacancy on the commission side. So we will continue to work on that and um, hopefully we will have a quorum in June because there's a lot to discuss. So that's it. But I sent you the updated information on the legislation um, that we had for the meeting. Okay, thank, thank you. Any questions from commissioners on the legislative report we received? Okay, well, but thank you for submitting that. Um, Hi. Not sure who that was. Can we move on? Yeah, uh, the case report. All right, commissioners, item nine is the case report presented by we'll Daniel Gallagher. See if other people come. I, uh, I have another meeting at this time and I have, I'm listening to the talk. I muted them. Okay, <laughs> take care of it. All right. Thank you. Good morning, commissioners. Secretary Director Dierman. Good morning. I'll be uh, rather brief in my remarks as well and, and begin with our case programming. As you know, uh, in May, we had Aiden Goodwin, who's a licensed clinical social worker, and Carrie Shell, the Director of Community Support Services at Open House, present the program to encourage active rewarding and uh, rewarding lives, or PEARLS. And um, as you know, that PEARLS is a peer-based model where coaches use problem-solving, activity planning, and connection to additional community resources as tools to help participants develop the skills they need for self-sufficiency. That was a, an informative presentation and, and actually very well done um, by folks at Open House. So we're very appreciative of, of them for their time. In June, um, Dr. Corinne Fergoni, who's a retired family physician who now resides in Humboldt County, California, will present on Medicare privatization and uh, Medicare Advantage and ACO reach as a threat to seniors in the future of, the, of, of Medicare. Um, this talk will review how Medicare Advantage and ACO reach to private, uh, not for private, not for profit rather programs are threatening to bankrupt the Medicare trust fund and what actions that we can take. So I uh, included a couple uh, helpful links on this interesting topic. So we, uh, we're looking forward to that. And in July, um, tentatively, we are scheduling Dr. Jacqueline Navia, uh, who will be talking about reducing tobacco use through harm reduction. So we look forward to that as well. 
Just in May, in our last board meeting, we welcomed a new board member, uh, Judith Danther, Dancer. Judith is currently the Senior Center Director of Sequoia Living and has 13 plus years of experience working in the senior community in San Francisco as a Senior Center Director and a Director in Assisted Living and Nursing Homes. And uh, Judith's been an active board member for the last several years with Case, so we welcome Judith to our board now. And lastly, and uh, uh, a bit sadly, our behavioral health ask is certainly in jeopardy, uh, something that we were really hoping um, to initiate this year, but with the, with the um, suspended funding of $3 million to the Dignity Fund, which we would hoping that the uh, behavioral ask would be funded through, has been suspended. So we are looking at other alternatives to try to um, create funding for that ask for behavioral health services throughout San Francisco for older adults. So we're still working on that, but with the suspension of the, uh, of the Dignity Fund contribution for this year, um, it'll be a tough road to hoe. So, and that concludes my report. Thank you. Any questions for uh, Mr. Gallagher from commissioners? Seeing none, thank you very much. Thank you. Commissioners, uh, item 10 is general public comment, an opportunity for members of the public to address the commission on matters that are not on today's calendar. Are there any members of the public that would like to address the commission today? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? There are no callers, thank you. Commissioners, your next item is item 11, old business. Commissioners, please indicate by raising your hand if there's any old business that you'd like to discuss. Over there, okay, we can move on. All right, thanks. Um, then uh, the next item 12 is approval of the consent agenda. And this item, con uh, a consent agenda is considered to be routine by the Disability and Aging Services Commission and is acted upon by a single vote of the commission. There's no separate discussion of these items unless a member of the commission or public so requests, in which event the matter will be removed from the consent calendar and considered a separate item. And that item today uh, is, uh, is for the Glide Foundation an additional amount of $8,185, which would be effective uh, in June 1st, 2023. Um, and you're just supposed to indicate if you do want to have any discussion about that. Seeing none, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to I, comment? I, Go ahead. Uh, I did have a comment. Sure, of I course. just actually uh, just happened to a couple of weeks ago uh, eat over at Glide for the first time in many years, and the food was slamming. I just have to say, <laughs> if you get a chance to go over there, do it because it was amazing. Okay. 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 <laughs> I, I don't think that Glide. that's enough to have to recuse from the recuse from this item, so we're fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, then thank you for that comment. And uh, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment? Are there any members of the public who wishes to comment? No. Uh, moderator, please open the phone line for public comment. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Uh, is No callers, is that correct? 
or a panelist wants oh. to speak? Hello. I think there is. Yep. Hello. Hi. Go ahead. Hello. Good morning, uh, President Knudsen and commissioners. Um, uh, thank you. My name is Eliana Binger, and I'm the policy manager for Glide. I wanted to thank Tiffany Ding and Tiffany Kearney for their dedication and continued partnership. On the behalf of the organization, we appreciate the additional funding for our congregate meals for adults with disabilities program and older adults, or sorry, this is just for the adults with disabilities program. And we respectfully request the commission's eye vote. The COVID-19 pandemic highlighted the prevalence of nutrition insecurity among older adults and adults with disabilities and the need for more nutrition support in the community. In March, CalFresh recipients, including more than 70,000 San Francisco households, received their last emergency allotment, which provided a critical boost to their food benefits throughout the COVID-19 pandemic. We are facing a serious collapse of benefits and buying power and it's going to drastically impact our clients and community members. Some people went from receiving $281 a month to just $23 a month. All while food prices are at an all-time high. The pandemic and the end of additional pandemic era food benefits has underscored the vital role community-based nutrition programming has in supporting DOS consumers. The provision of nutrition services assists older adults and adults with disabilities in gaining consistent and equitable access to nutritious meals, as well as linkage to other important supportive services. Unfortunately, the reimbursement does not fully meet the growing need and cost of missing meals. Further challenges posed by inflation are shared by other DOS contracted providers as well. So we are grateful for your consideration today for this additional funding, which will enable us to continue to combat food insecurity in the city. We look forward to continuing our partnership with DOS to address hunger in our community. Thank you. Thank you, caller. Mm -hmm. Then are there any other public comments? No more callers in the queue. Okay, hearing no further requests to speak on this item, is there a motion to approve the June consent calendar? From so moved. Second. Commissioner Squire and a second from uh, Commissioner Parker Pennington. Uh, can we please call a uh, roll call vote to approve the June consent calendar? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. It's a unanimous vote. Great. Thank you, Commissioners. Commissioner, the next item on the agenda are items 13, new business. Items 13A through 13O are action items and will require a vote by the Commission. Uh, the first items are 13A, B, and C, which are items for appointment to the DOS Commission and Advisory Council. And we will hear from Commissioner Nelson Lum, who's the chair of the nominating committee. Turning things over to Commissioner Lum. Thank you. As chair of the uh, nominating committee, I have the following um, uh, re report. The nominating committee met on May 31st, on uh, 2023, and interviewed Ms. Stephanie Dignam, a candidate for the advisory council. Uh, also, there were discussions for nominations uh, of candidates to the position of president and the position of vice president. The commission, the nominating commission, 
recommended the following. We request a vote by the commission to appoint Stephanie Dignam to the, to the DAS Advisory Council. Should I do all three? Yeah, okay. Um, we also request a vote by the commission to appoint Commissioner Nelson Lum as the Vice President of DAS Commission. Furthermore, we request a vote by the commission to appoint Vice President Janet Spears to the position of President for DAS Commission. And these will be taking effect at our next meeting, right? The, for the Commission Vice President and President. And then the advisory, yeah. At the next meeting in July, just to be clear. Okay. Correct. We'll be able to get through this meeting. <laughs> One chair. <laughs> okay. Uh, thank you, Commissioner Lum. Do we have any questions or comments from the commissioners regarding the nomination of Stephanie Dignam? We're going to do each item separately. Yep. Any? And are there members of the public that would like to comment on agenda item 13A? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item 13A. Uh, what district is she going to be representing? And she's actually just for the commission. Oh, oh she's our, our yeah. Thank you very much. We knew that. <laughs> and we have no callers in the queue. So okay. actually, we should read the, the item. The requesting a vote. Oh, so do we just vote or do I need a motion? I, I, we didn't read the item, actually. For the 13A. Oh, then requesting a vote by the commission to appoint uh, Stephanie Dignam to the DOS Advisory Council. Yep. And we. And there's no we, public comment. No public comment. We finished comments. So do we have a motion? So moved. Um, from uh, Commissioner Bittner moved and a second from Vice President Spears. Uh, could we have a roll call on that? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yeah. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Okay. Thank you, Commissioners. Then we're requesting a vote by the Commission to appoint Commissioner Mel Nelson Lum to the position of Vice President for the DOS Commission. Um, do we have any uh, comments by Commissioners? And let me start by saying thank you very much for stepping up to this. And uh, I really think it's going to be great to enhance uh, your knowledge of veterans mm -hmm. and um, your background on that will be particularly a strength that will be brought to the commission in this new position. So thank you for doing this. Thank you. And any other commissioners? Comment? Um, then do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on 13, item 13B? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment? Uh, moderator, please open the phone line. For comments on 13B? Are there any callers in the queue? Are there no callers? Thank you, moderator. Okay, then hearing no further uh, re request to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to appoint uh, Commissioner Nelson Lum to be our Vice President, uh, item 13B? So moved. Second. Thank you for Parker Pennington. Commissioner Parker Pennington and Vice President Spears seconded. Uh, could we have a roll call vote on that? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yeah. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Abstain. Oh, 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Yeah, and it didn't matter what you did. There was still a quorum, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Commissioners, item 13C is requesting a vote by the Commission to appoint Vice President Janet Spears to the position of President of the DAS Commission. And um, I uh, want to just say, if I can, uh, thank you for agreeing to do this. Um, I know that you are going to be a great leader for this Commission because I've watched your work for a number of years now. And we are absolutely going to benefit from every other aspect of your experience in the community is going to bring that to the Commission. Um, and uh, just that it's been a real honor for me to hold this position for the last couple of years. And uh, we hope that this will be an ongoing tradition, that it, you have about the right energy to do this for a couple of years and can give it your all. And then we like the idea that we're moving along because we have a very, very strong commission full of very, very talented people. And that's what this is about today. So uh, having said all of that, are there any other comments from commissioners before we ask for the public. I'll just say that I'm uh, looking forward to stepping into this new role and it's been a privilege being on the commission uh, for several years and um, I have big shoes to fill uh, with uh, Actually, little. <laughs> no little shoes <laughs> big heart to, f to fill uh, moving forward. So, thank right. you. Any other commissioners on this? Okay uh, then do we have any uh, Comments from the public, anybody from the public who wishes to comment? That's anyone from the public who would like to comment on item 13B. And Mr. Moderator, can you please open the phone lines for comment, public comment on 13B? Are there any callers in the queue? Uh, no, is that no callers for this, got it. Thank you, no callers. Okay, great, then um, hearing no further request to speak on the item. We'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item 13C? And again, just to be clear, this will be effective as of the next meeting, our July 19th meeting, just to provide continuity today in terms of me finishing the meeting. Um, so uh, do we have a motion? So uh, Commissioner and Second. From, thank you. Uh, uh, Commissioner Lum, uh, can we take a roll call vote to approve item 13C? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Janet Spears, how do you vote? You abstain? Abstain. Uh, Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Linda Parker-Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have unanimous vote. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, commissioners, item 13D, uh, moving along, uh, requests authorization to modify the existing grant agreement with the Asian Pacific Islander Legal Outreach, APILO, for the provision of elder and dependent adult abuse prevention program for the period of July 1st, 2023 through June 30th, 2025, in the additional amount of $300,000 plus a 10% contingency for a revised total amount not to exceed $638,252. And Ben Sosedos will present the item. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, dear Commissioners, Director Dearman, we are requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreement uh, with APILO for the provision of Elder and Dependent Adults Abuse Prevention Program. Adult Protective Services is mandated to engage in elder abuse prevention activities and outreach, uh, which has always been done through grants to our community partners. 
The Board of Supervisors recently allocated additional funds for outreach activities to APS constituent victims of abuse and emphasized an outreach to non-native English clientele. The packet before you highlights the planned additional reach these funds will secure within this community. APILO has been providing a resource through an elder abuse task force and proposed changes will also increase outreach through community events, training and education for mandated reporters and collaboration in expanding and developing a coordinated system for responding to elder abuse by working with frontline service providers who um, do the daily work uh, with limited English proficiency seniors and adults with disabilities. This modification would also provide additional units of service distributing educational materials in multiple languages to the public, frontline service professionals and caregivers, and APS, um, and the APS and uh, DA Consumer Fraud Unit, uh, as well as working with the Veterans Services Office to help in the identification, prevention, and treatment of elder abuse, neglect and exploitation, and scams specifically targeting the API community members. Languages of educational materials include, but are not limited to, English, Chinese, Tagalog, Korean, Vietnamese, and Spanish. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Mr. Sostatos. Are there any comments or questions from the commission on this item? I have a question. Go. Commissioner Jung. A, a comment and question. Uh, first of all, I just wanna say um, I'm very pleased to see um, that the service is in place, um, especially um, in terms of ensuring that there is language appropriate as well as cultural, culturally appropriate uh, service being provided. What I just wanted to clarify in terms of question is, um, um, I appreciate how clearly it's outlined under uh, the memo about uh, the use of the funds under this modification for service to be provided. I was just wondering if those numbers reflect uh, the modification. I noticed the modifications for two years. Are those numbers for the total two years period? Is it per uh, are these annual numbers? Those are annual numbers. Oh, okay. Okay, great. That's great. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Any other questions, comments from commissioners on this item? And do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on item 13D? Is there anyone from the public that wishes to comment on item 13D? Moderator, please open the phone line for, for callers. I'll give you one minute to take a look if we have any callers. And there's hello. one caller in the queue. Caller? Uh, hello. You, hello, you have three minutes yep. starting now. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes. Hello. Yeah, uh, we yeah. can hear you. This is uh, good morning. Good morning. This is Esther Leal calling from API Legal Outreach. Um, it is really wonderful to see you all. I'm on virtual, so I can see you and to hear um, what you're going through. I, I do want to first thank you for the additional fund to support our elder abuse um, task force as well as our project. Uh, especially at this time where it is, for our hidden population, this is really important. Um, while the pandemic has been subsided, that doesn't mean the residual effect of the um, elder abuse is still remaining. Many of our seniors are still very reluctant to come out, uh, mostly because of the isolation and the inability to connect with folks 
And we hope that with the funding, we will be able to establish better connections so that our seniors are not going to be so isolated and in fearful. Uh, we work very strongly in collaboration with many of our community groups. And as Ben mentioned, we do uh, have an elder abuse task force that reaches out to many of the CBOs, both legal and non-legal group, in order to reach those who are more hidden. Um, we look forward to expanding and raising awareness in this issue, issue as it is um, Director Dearman is uh, very wonderful, their staff in um, doing a walkathon and joining effort with the, at the state build, building with assembling Phil King. So we hope to do, continue to do this and work and magnify it as it is probably really not as uh, visible. And so um, having to have this in both in various different languages and uh, community cultural sensitivity is important. Um, thank you to the DOS staff. They have been wonderful in uh, guiding us and um, being on top of this. I also want to thank you, IHSS, for recognizing their, their work for many of the NGO. While during the pandemic, we are still in the front line. We are out in the community. We are still opening our doors. We are doing a, a live calls every day, both with our front staff and our attorney, rotating staff. So we are, we are still present. But we are also experience a lot of capacity challenges because there is still um, um, staff transitioning of a lot of different folks. So I just want to um, make you aware that we thank you for your support and to share some of the challenges we face. So again, this is Esther Leong speaking. Thank you very much. Thank you, caller. Are there any other callers in the queue? No more callers, thank you. Okay, great, then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve um, item 13D from commissioners? So moved. moved. Um, oh. gonna, I think I'm gonna do Commissioner <laughs> Chung and then um, <laughs> Vice President Spears. Um, I have moved and seconded uh, an approval of 13D. Uh, can we have a roll call vote, please? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Great. Thank you, Commissioners. The next order of business is agenda item 13E, requires a vote by the Commission. It is review and approval of fiscal year 23-24 California Department of Aging, CDA, area plan budget, the associated contract, AP 2324-06, and all subsequent amendments. And Genevieve Herrera will be presenting this item. Welcome. Good morning. Good morning, Director Dearman and Commissioners. I am Genevieve Herreria. I am the Senior Budget Analyst um, supporting the DOS Community Services Programs. Um, I am presenting today um, for your um, review um, and hopefully your approval uh, the fiscal year 2324 area plan uh, grant uh, budget allocations. Um, the area plan grant program includes state and federal funding for our Older American Act and Older Californians Act programs. Um, uh, and in fiscal year 24, next year, the uh, award that we have received for our baseline is 
about $8 million. Um, that is a 5% increase in total award over last year's baseline allocation. Um, we plan to use these grant allocations uh, to meet current demand, um, and we do not anticipate any impact on services. Uh, and so uh, we would like to request that the DAS Commission approve these allocations and the enclosed draft contract in your packet, um, including all subsequent amendments that um, may happen throughout the course of the fiscal year. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Um, are there any comments or questions from commission on the packet? I just have yeah. one. Um, given what we heard from a federal perspective and what might happen, maybe this is for Kelly, do we, this baseline is, is firm or could the subsequent amendments be in the negative? That's what I'm trying to understand. <laughs> so it's a it's a great question. Um, CDA has um, informed us that the federal awards are dependent on the federal budget process, and so we will be learning from the um, uh, CDA later on this year about what happens, and we will report back any changes to the commission. Okay. All right. So it remains to be seen. Okay. <laughs> this is what it is for now. Okay. Um, anything else from other, any comments or questions? It, or I guess ahead, I'll please. say also the, the state allocations are firm. Oh, okay. okay. Well, that's good. Um, anything else from commissioners? Seeing none, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on agenda item 13E? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on agenda item 13E? Moderator, please open the phone lines for public comment on agenda item 13E. Moderator, are there any callers in the queue? There are no callers, thank you. Okay, thank you. Hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion from commissioners to approve item 13E? I'll move. I'll go with uh, Commissioner Bittner on moving and a second from- second. Uh, thank you, Commissioner Jung. Um, uh, Mr. Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve item E? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Great. Thank you. Thank you for all the work that went into that packet. So. That was very informative. Okay. Um, Commissioner, the next order of business is agenda item F requires a vote by the commission. It's requesting authorization to enter into new grants with multiple providers to provide programs using the village and the community bridge model for the period July 1st, 2023 through June 30th, 2027 in an amount of $3,205,352 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed three million five hundred twenty-five thousand eight hundred eighty-seven dollars And uh, Melissa McGee will present this item. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, uh, good morning, President Knudsen, Commissioners, Executive Director Dearman. My name is Melissa McGee. I'm a Program Manager with the Office of Community Partnerships at DOS. I'm seeking your approval to approve the grant agreement with three community providers, San Francisco Village, Next Village, and Golden Gate Senior Services for the provision of village programs. SF Village and Next Village provide village model programming 
while Golden Gate Senior Services provides community bridge model programming. The Village Model is a membership-based program. Staff, volunteers, and members coordinate a variety of services to support independence and aging in the home of choice. Village members pay a nominal membership fee that encourages and includes use of volunteers for delivery of services and educational activities designed to promote awareness of aging and aging in place resources. Volunteers assist in providing or securing activities such as gardeners, handy persons, legal or other services. Educational activities include information on community resources and services and other areas that assist awareness of aging in place for the members. Uh, the SF Village provides services citywide, and Next Village provides services in District 3. The Community Bridge model blends off-site services with a central site. Off-site services include the development of social networks and community volunteers for delivery of services, while assisting with community service coordination. This model provides the same volunteer and educational activities as the village model with the added, uh, with the addition of a central location. Uh, the bridge model focuses service in district one but is open to residents of other districts. Uh, I request your approval to enter into this contract. Are there any questions or comments? Any questions or comments from commissioners on these items? Go ahead. Yeah. Ms. McGee, I just have one one question. In looking at the various uh, of the three grantees, um, I notice with the San Francisco Village, uh, San Francisco Village Village model, um, there's one unique uh, service objective, and that's to provide 500 hours of care navigation. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, they, that is, uh, they're the incumbent, and that's something they're adding in this new contract. Um, so they're um, going to train their volunteers on offering this additional service of helping people identify where they, you know, helping them navigate the system, whether that's medical providers, community resources or services or other things they may need either through uh, the DOS program or other services. That sounds great. Do you think yeah. potentially that would be expanded to the, the other grantees at some point to provide a similar service? It's certain, yeah, we'll certainly talk to them about that. Okay. At the moment, just the village is doing it, though. Yeah. Sounds great. Thank you. Any other comments or questions from commissioners? Okay. Yeah, I also thank you for noting that. It jumped out at me as well, and it just seems like comprehensively this is a much more enhanced village community bridge model that keeps sort of enhancing on itself, right, through the whatever's succeeding. Mm -hmm. We're lending those ideas to other areas of the city and other programs and yeah it, it seems very innovative so i was happy to see how this was explained in a sort of a comprehensive way through this so yeah i hope that you know i they do a good job so I'm yeah it's exciting a really interesting thing to see how it pans out yes yeah and on an overall a 
increased understanding and better outreach around DOS services mm -hmm. as well, more of an integration, I, I noticed Always that our well. goal, trying to get yeah, the word out, right, right about DOS <laughs> it's services. It's coming through loud and clear. Uh -huh. <laughs> and all that, all that what we're always asking for uh -huh. coming through from this, this proposal, so we appreciated that, yeah. Okay, anything else from commissioners, and do we have any public comment? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on item F? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comments on agenda item F. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Uh, there are no callers. Thank you. Okay, then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item 13F from commissioners? So moved. Um, from uh, Commissioner Sklar, and then uh, moved and a second from Vice President Spears. Uh, can we please take a roll call vote? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. President Janet Spears, Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have unanimous vote. Thank you. Is there any other? Commissioner Jung. Commissioner Jung. Can I get you to move your mic? Like, yeah, just make it. Just was there? Did you want to make a comment? Yeah. Please. Yeah. My apologies, um, Madam Chair, members of the commission. I'm Jacqueline Zimmer-Jones. I'm the director at Next Village San Francisco, and we're serving the seniors in the northeast part of the city. Um, I just wanted to um, thank you for your support, and I wanted to mention some changes that have happened since this contract uh, was uh, initiated three years ago. I want you to be aware that we do have a formal office now. It's located at 704 Filbert Street, and it has increased the number of people that come to our office. We've increased our membership and our volunteers as a result of having that building there. It's right next door to Victoria's Pastry, so uh, we offer. <laughs> it's a dangerous location, but uh, we like it. So anyway, that's been uh, really instrumental in helping us generate more uh, recognition of the village and the village model. And um, I wanted to also mention that we are the only village in the nation with a podcast. And that is hosted by two uh, of our members who are volunteers. And it is a fantastic podcast. It's called Not Born Yesterday. And it is starting to reach some real, it's got some real traction. And there's two new podcasts every month. So that's a piece of what we're doing that's uh, innovative and brings attention to all sorts of topics that pertain to aging and in, uh, in, in the United States. So I encourage you to take a, a listen to that. Also, um, just want to note that um, we are also serving with our own funds uh, about 100 some odd people who cannot afford the membership that the city has required. Everyone must pay at least $120 to belong to a village. And there are many people in the northeast part of town for whom that dollar amount is out of reach. Our goal is to take the anxiety out of aging in place and approaching uh, people for help. Um, so we fundraise three times a year so that we can serve those individuals as well and we don't have to turn anybody away. And a final note that villages are really unique. The city provides tremendous services for seniors and people with disabilities, but there are many things that the city can't cover and the villages fill that niche. A couple of quick examples, we had a member call us distraught on a Sunday morning because their cat was very ill and needed to go to the vet. That's something where you need some support, and we have volunteers that live nearby that took care of that in a minute. And this, through COVID, we've had a number of people call us 
who have come down with COVID and need the prescription. And that, that's a time when you really aren't supposed to be going out and you're not feeling well, but also you didn't know you were gonna be sick. So maybe you don't have groceries, you don't have Tylenol, you don't have things that you need. And so uh, we have really responded to a lot of people who are, um, you know, the last minute needs that people have that simply can't be fulfilled by the city. So it's a great way of collaborating with the city and providing services to folks. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you for taking the time to come today. We really appreciate it, and we really support the this the enhancement of this model and adaption and uh, all of the innovations that are happening around this. And this is all about San Franciscans living at home yep. safely. Uh, and we're just really excited and want to support this as much as we can and hope that DOS uh, provides that people know about the services that DOS provides as well, right. and it's a way oh. of getting the word out there. So there's Very a true integration so. of yes. all of this, which is We good. do a lot of care, care navigating ourselves and it, the Department of Aging and all its resources. I also brought you a copy of our newsletter. It's about 16 pages long every month, and many of our members still prefer a newsletter in print. Mm -hmm. Um, and then a copy of our brochure. Terrific. Okay, well, we'll probably visit you at that office now that you've tempted us with the... Thank you. We'd love to have you. What, what's, what's near it? So, <laughs> thank Can you. Can I just leave these with yes. this? Yes. Okay. Yeah, thank you. All right. Um, thank you. Then now we are in item G. Yes, yes. Um, that also requires a vote by the commission requesting authorization to enter into a grant with community living campaign for provision of community connector program for the period of July 1st, 2023 to June 30th, 2027 in the amount of $2,844,484 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $3,128,932. And Rihanna Albert will be presenting this item. Welcome. Thank you. Good morning, commissioners, President Knudsen and Executive Director Dearman. My name is Rihanna Albert, and I'm an analyst with the Office of Community Partnerships. The grant agreement with Community Living Campaign will provide community connector programming to older adults and adults with disabilities. Community connector programming is an important means of supporting social engagement within neighborhoods. Historically, the community connector service model has been specific to neighborhoods that lack a dedicated community center space. This model aims to develop a sense of community and promote networks in which neighbors support each other, services are led by community members, and service location is community-based and utilizes public and private space. Through this model, activities are managed by a local neighborhood resident serving as the community connector. This local resident or connector creates a welcoming space, organizes scheduled activities, and encourages connections among neighbors. They also facilitate neighborhood outreach to develop a volunteer network. This network of volunteers then helps to deliver program services. By creating volunteer opportunities and encouraging neighbors to assist each other, this helps individ individuals feel seen and valued. The goals of the program include building community, developing volunteer networks, and fostering age and disability friendly environments. The grant will help support eight neighborhood connector programs. Those neighborhoods include Cayuga, Crocker Amazon, the Inner Sunset, Merced Extension Triangle, Midtown Terrace, Mira Loma, Potrero Hill, and Sunnyside. 
activities will include a mix of exercise, creative, educational, and social activities. The, this includes exercise classes, neighborhood walks, writing groups, arts and crafts, and classes on topics like healthy aging and safety and emergency preparedness. Neighbors will also help each other with rides to doctors, dog walking, and other small kindnesses. Participants enrolled in the program report feeling more connected to their community, better informed about the availability of other senior and disability related programs and resources, and report that program participation has helped maintain or improve their health and well being. We know that social connections are essential for the health and well being of older adults and adults with disabilities. These connector programs provide older adults and adults with disabilities with those needed opportunities for community engagement and social connection. Community Living Campaign was the previous grantee for this service and was found to be in full compliance with all programmatic standards during the most recent monitoring. And we are happy to continue this important and beneficial programming with them. Thank you, and I'd be happy to answer any questions. Do we have any questions from commissioners? Go ahead. Commissioner I'm wondering um, how the communities were selected and curious because I think often to do something like this, you can do it where there's been someone who's asked for it or you've identified a need, but there's often communities where there's not that ability to strong or there's not a leadership and are we getting the communities that really need it? Yeah, so these, these really came out of, these were came out of neighborhoods that lacked a dedicated community center space, and um, we saw a need in those neighborhoods. So those neighborhoods came together, and that is how this program model sort of evolved. And the goal is to increase it into other communities? The goal is to reduce social isolation um, and, and um, create social engagement and bring the community together within those neighborhoods that otherwise wouldn't, you know, because they lack a dedicated community center, wouldn't, you know, necessarily otherwise be able to create those connections with each other. Right. Thank you. One follow-up question. Are there communities that lack neighborhood centers that are still missing, or are we covering them all with this model? That, that is a great question. Um, I, so I'm not sure if there are others that are currently lacking. I do know that this program model covers um, District 7, District 10, and District 11 out of all of the eight neighborhoods. So it is um, quite a large area of San Francisco that's covered currently, um, but um, we could always look at, see if there's you know, any gaps in other neighborhoods. I just have one question, <laughs> Ms. Albert. Um, under location and time of services, is reference made to a site chart, but I didn't see, is that still being developed? No, you know, that um, we do have a site chart. I have a copy of it here. Um, there is a site chart, oh, okay. um, and we can get that over to you if, if you would like. Sure, that'd be okay. great. Thank you. Sure. Does one slight question? Does this did this include expansion to new neighborhoods? Does this so you mentioned the eight and you listed them? Are are some of those new 
No, so those are all existing. Okay. Um, yeah, these are we're we're going into a new grant term, and these are existing mm -hmm. neighborhoods okay. that are being served. Okay, great. Um, and then there was one element of it that where I, I guess you were targeting people in need of community connector program. That was one of the criteria for. And how would you define that? Uh, those that are in need. Yeah, just. Um, I mean, I guess it sort of stood out as something I hadn't seen in. Right. I mean, folks that are, I think for folks that are in those neighborhoods that lack a dedicated community center space are kind of seen as in need because they might not otherwise, you know, go out and create social connections. Um, so just by being in that neighborhood okay. um, could be seen as a need. Okay. That, that answers it. I just wondered if there was specific individual criteria or anything like that not really no yeah. okay okay yeah. um all right anything else from other yeah. good morning when, when you identify a location for you know for for, for the uh, activities that you whatever activities you guys are going to be carrying out what kind of outreach or what method of outreach uh, yeah so um community living campaign is doing a lot of outreach um they, for example, they mail out paper calendars to the community and to participants. They have an email newsletter that goes out. Um, they send emails and text messages. They make phone calls. Um, some of their sites uh, have in-person activities that are posted, in-person in activity calendars that are posted up. Um, they also hand out flyers and materials. Um, they have a website, and then they also reach folks through social media. So a lot of different ways. Thank you. And then I know because I get the Community Connector newsletter because it's <laughs> such a comprehensive job of it. Um, if there was something I was interested in, uh, there's a lot of programs that they advertise, especially there are things on Zoom. It, it, it's true that anyone could participate if they are otherwise qualified right if there's a senior component to it or just correct yeah so yeah. they you just to qualify you just need to be um 60 and older or 18 and above uh with a disability right right so the their i know that their newsletter and outreach goes further than these districts right yeah okay just to clarify yeah yeah okay um any other questions from commissioners any other, uh, do we have any members from the public who wish to comment? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on item G? Would you like to comment? Yep. Uh, comment, we have three minutes starting now. Thank you, uh, Jacqueline Zimmer again with uh, Next Village San Francisco. Um, these community connector models are, are Fantastic, and we are actually running a version of a community connector model in District 3. And in District 2, we have one. We'll be before you next month. We call it, uh, we call it uh, D2U, which is um, a, we're sort of a, it's a little, we, we do the same thing. We provide, it's an area that doesn't have a dedicated spot for seniors to gather, and so we do outreach. And we're providing programming, about 300 programs a year uh, at District 2 University for people in the northeast part of the city. And we do get people from all over the city that attend our events. 
and in fact, all over the world when it comes to a Zoom. So mm -hmm. there are programs similar to this in the northeast part of the town as well. Okay. And we'll see you next month. Okay, thank you. That's, I, 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 I kind of use that as an opportunity to say a lot of this is melding as much as we have to. <laughs> we get it in a contract form. It has to be all delineated and separated out and itemized and budgeted and all those things. But in a lot of ways, to a senior citizen or a disabled person in San Francisco, they're sort of, they don't. They just see it as a program that's available right. to them more and more. <laughs> right. So I think which is great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Thank you. Uh huh. Um, so do we have any? That was public comment. Do we have any further public comment? Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? There is one caller. You can put them through, please. Hi, this is Kate Cooker calling from. Community Living Campaign. Hello, Kate. Can, we can hear you. I'm just going to let you know your three minutes starts now. Okay, thanks. Uh, so first of all, uh, thank you uh, so much to the Commission and staff for the ongoing support sector program. I just wanted to answer a few questions about, uh, in terms of out. Um, as Rihanna said, there's a whole bunch of different ways that. Um, one of the most effective, though, is really word health, uh, getting to come to an activity and friend the next time. Um, but we have some very specific outreach um, for folks who we think may be more likely. So reaching out through um, congregations, uh, other organizations to help them identify folks they think are particularly connection. In terms of location, the locations that we have, the most recent one Hill, which started right before the pandemic and is just starting back. In, um, and all of them are one that start with neighbor organizations that's something that they want. Uh, and as Rihanna, those are places where, for the most part, there are, are not a lot of uh, senior centers other ready. We think we have pretty good coverage. We are working uh, also with uh, Alton Institute uh, on a connector model that is in uh, Visitation Valley. Uh, and we're certainly open to other things that uh, we should take some funding. The other thing that we've been doing is adding in-person Chinese language programming, uh, which is something that has been a need. Uh, if there's any other questions, I'm going to answer them. Okay, thank you, caller. Members of the public? Uh, moderator, do we have any other callers in the queue? Uh, no, no more callers. Okay, well, thank you. Uh, hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item 13G from Commissioner? So moved. From Commissioner uh, Parker Pennington is moved. A second? Second. From Vice President Spears, could we have a roll call, please, on uh, item approving item 13G? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. 
Okay, thank you, commissioners. Um, the next order of business is agenda item H, requires a vote by the commission. It's requesting authorization to enter into a new grant agreement with self-help for the elderly for the provision of a peer ambassador and senior escort services during the period July 1st, 2023 through June 30th, 2027 in the amount of $3,312,876 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $3,644,100. $64 and Sarah Hopperberg will present this item. Uh, welcome. Thank you. Uh, good morning, President Knutson, Commissioners, and Executive Director Dearman. I'm Sarah Hofferberg, Program Analyst with the Office of Community Partnerships. I'm here today to ask your approval to enter into contracts with Self-Help for the Elderly for the Peer Ambassador Program and Senior Escort Services. Since 2019, the Peer Ambassador Program has been promoting awareness of DOS-funded services and programs in order to address the lower participation rates in DOS services in the outer districts, including districts 1, 2, 4, and 11. Peer Ambassadors create partnerships with a wide variety of organizations, businesses, and individuals in the community who are likely to have contact with or knowledge of older adults and adults with disabilities. Examples include nonprofit organizations, faith-based organizations, healthcare providers, housing site coordinators, libraries, and neighborhood markets. From these sites, peer ambassadors disseminate information about DOS programs and services, utilizing methods such as community presentations, workshops, and distribution of written materials. Both older adults and adults with disabilities view their peers as a trusted information source, and leveraging existing relationships and networks is an efficient and effective strategy to expand knowledge of services of current, for current and potential consumers. Peer ambassadors work closely with the Aging and Disability Resource Centers in the identified districts to help facilitate referrals to DOS programs and services. Older adults and adults with disabilities benefit from enhanced knowledge of DOS services via the peer ambassadors trained and recruited in the program. In 2021, as a response to the rise in threats and violence against the Asian American and Pacific Islander, or AAPI, community, DOS began funding the Senior Escort Services Program at Self-Help for the Elderly. This program provides escort services to older adults and adults with disabilities in order to increase protection and a sense of safety for participants. Since the beginning of this program, the escort service has been utilized by a high number of consumers and has grown exponentially. Clients not only utilize the program to attend medical and dental appointments or make a grocery run, uh, run to the bank, but they're also being used for things like going to chemotherapy, dialysis, even things like taking a walk around the neighborhood so someone can get out of their house, get some exercise and companionship. Um, additionally, it's not uncommon for a person who may need support services but is resistant to those services to feel comfortable utilizing the senior escort services. And by building um, trust and rapport with these clients, the senior escort program has successfully been able to link many of these hard to reach clients to additional supportive services. The senior escort program has proven to be vital to the community and as threats and violence against the AAPI community, as well as other groups of older adults and adults with disabilities remain, the need for senior escort services continues. Uh, that's my presentation, and I will do my best to answer any questions you may have at this time. Any questions from commissioners on this item? Mm -hmm. okay. I also thought this was very good and comprehensive, so I just, um, one of the aspects I especially kind of keyed into is 
for peer, this, I'm talking about all this integration between what DOS provides and what people understanding what we provide. And a peer ambassador, I think there was a part of it where they're talking about helping a specific person uh, connecting to the benefits hub mm -hmm. who could then get a more of an individualized uh, plan if they needed it for services specific to them. Is that, mm -hmm. did I read that correctly? Yep, then, with the DOS hub or an ADRC. Yeah. Yeah, okay. so um, the, the peer ambassadors work very closely with the ADRCs, so they are, you know, up to date on programs and such things. So then, when they meet someone out in public, at one of their, um, when they're out promoting awareness, they're able to really like hone in on specifics. So if a client or a potential client says, you know, I've got this going on or this going on, then the peer ambassador can say, well, hey, <laughs> let me connect you to the folks that can help you with that. So okay, that just sounded like a very good integration of services. Mm -hmm. um, and then something uh, occurred to me is uh, when, the, for the senior escort services, this, I'm a San Franciscan, and it's, uh, are they also taking people on muni buses? And the reason I'm bringing this up is because I find taking some of these buses frightening mm -hmm. lately. I mean, I don't know if anyone's been on the 19 Polk lately, um, but it's a frightening experience. And I'm very able-bodied and capable, and my first reaction is not to take a bus again. So, okay, personal experience, but I'm also wondering if those senior escorts take people on buses to make them feel safer, or is the muni bus part of any of this, or do they usually... It can be. I mean, but there's also... They also have drivers and vans yeah. and stuff like that, and yeah. so I, um, you know, folks utilize those as much as possible. It's yeah. really, I think, a combination of the escort and the client and what works what best. Works for them. Mm -hmm. And all I'm saying is, I, I, I would hope that a, a person like a, a peer, a senior escort person, they're trained, they're capable, they know about things. If they could communicate some of these experiences to Muni, it might help <laughs> improve things. Oh, I like that idea. <laughs> I mean, they're sort of like have an official status and they have mm -hmm. a, a job and they're trying to get, you know, we, we've said we want these people to travel safely, we're funding this, and yet we put them on a bus that is potentially very, very frightening and dangerous. And this is, you know, I take buses during the day. <laughs> so just saying, I'm just going to leave it with that. But if there's some way we could also help to improve that, that would be great. And I think more helpful to people who are really particularly vulnerable, more so by yards than myself. Mm -hmm. So um, just just yeah. saying. No, I think yes. that's a great idea. Okay. I will. <laughs> I'll bring I'd it back. I'd like it if they were, in addition to me calling Muni, you know, that it, I think it helps. So. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, any other comments from commissioners on this? Yeah. Good morning. Um, how many employees, uh, ambassadors and the uh, senior escorts, are, the, uh, are, are these programs going to be employing? And, and then secondly, are, are they providing individualized services or are they escorting them as a group? Um, great questions. Uh, 
the first one with the pair ambassadors, there are at least four ambassadors, so there can be at least one amb ambassador per district. Um, and then there are some folks who work in like a supervisory capacity who aren't necessarily full time with the program, but a portion of that program. And then with the senior escorts, there are, I believe, five escorts, two escort drivers, and then a program coordinator, a volunteer coordinator, as well as, again, some additional um, support from like a managerial level and stuff at a portion of a full time. And then your other question, um, in terms of groups, they do both. They do group escorts as well as individual escorts. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Any other comments from commissioners? All right, do we have any public comment then on this item? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on item H? Thank you. Your time is three minutes, and we're going to start time now. Okay. Good morning, commissioners. Um, <clears throat> my name is Emily. I'm from uh, Self Help for the Elderly. I'm the director of social services, and this is Yvonne, my colleague, who uh, oversees this uh, wonderful peer ambassador and senior escort program. So, uh, first, I want to thank DAS for this funding that um, actually support uh, these two programs. And I uh, personally, and uh, also, this program is very vital for our seniors. As you know, like since the pandemic, senior faced uh, uh, tremendous challenges. And uh, not only with COVID, but also with isolation and their fear being attacked on the street. And um, with this program, our senior are able to uh, feel safe again and being social again as well. And um, it was amazing to see uh, the seniors who uh, would be able to attend the long overdue medical appointments that they didn't want to go. And they are able to attend the Tai Chi classes that they are able to go. Because um, many of them have experienced like attack um, on the bus um, while they're waiting for the bus or at the park. So with this uh, uh, program, we are trying to be like very creative. Uh, we do both uh, the trip, we have DMV trips, passport trips, and then uh, we have park trips. And um, so then the clients will be able to go in trips and also the individual medical appointments, bank appointments that they need. Um, so the nature of the program allow us to go to their home and also be able to identify a lot of abuse and unmet need for services. So um, we were able to make uh, different referrals through this program. So as of this point, we have already served uh, 1,500 seniors and 8,000 escorts. So uh, thanks again for this funding to allow us to make our senior face safe again. Thank you. Any other public comment? Moderator, can you please open the phone line for public comment? Uh, moderator, are there any callers in the queue? There are no callers. Thank you. Okay, then hearing no further uh, uh, requests for, to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item H from commissioners? Uh, move. And second. Parker Pennington, Commissioner Parker Pennington has seconded. Can we have a roll call vote, please? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. 
Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous <laughs> vote. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Um, commissioners, the next order of business is agenda item I and requires a vote by the commission requesting authorization to enter into a new grant agreement with multiple providers for the provision of residential care facilities for the elder, elderly RCFE services in San Francisco during the period of July 1st, 2023 through June 30th, 2027 in the amount of $1,229,948 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $1,352,000. $943 and Sarah Chan will present the item. Welcome. Good morning, Commissioner. Good morning, um, Executive Director Dearman. My name is Sarah Chan, Program Analyst from Office of Community Partnership. As we all know that residential care facilities for the elderly RCFEs have long been a preferred community alternative for those who are unable to live on their own but they are not suitable for skilled nursing facilities. And compared to independent community living, RCFEs provide an increased level of care in super uh, supportive and safe environment with 24-hour supervision for older adults. And in recent years, due to increased regulation, increased labor cost, labor laws, uh, and increased uh, higher residence uh, care needs, and inadequate funding, the number of RCFEs in San Francisco has declined. And low-income individuals often do not have the resources to access market rate RCFEs in San Francisco. And um, this grant in front of you will support two nonprofit RCFEs with their operational cost so we can retain the affordable RCFE services in San Francisco. And um, as we go into the following content, I'm going to summarize uh, basic services, how a typical RCFE covers. Then I will go into each of the grantees. And a typical RCFE services include room and board, 24-hour supervision and personal care services, and three nutritious meal a day and plus snacks, and <coughs> housekeeping, laundry services, planned activities, assistance with medication management, and transportation escort services to medical appointment. And um, so first I'm going to go into Kimochi. And Kimochi founded in, uh, and incorporated in 1971. The Kimochi Inc. has long time uh, experience, over 50 years of experience in outreaching and providing ethnically and culturally relevant services to seniors and their families. The Kimochi's RCFE program is at Kimochi Home, which is in the Japantown neighborhood of Western Edition. And uh, it has, um, has been a licensed RCFE since 1981 um, with 20 beds capacity. Eight of the, eight of the uh, bed is single occupancy and uh, 12 is double occupancy. And uh, Kimochi Hong follows and is in full compliance with all RCFE program requirements in Title 22. The program is oversight by California Department of Social Services, Community Care Licensing, and uh, the residents at RCFE primarily speak Japanese and English. However, the agency does have the capacity to provide multilingual and multicultural support for older adults uh, from Japanese, Korean, Chinese, Filipino, and uh, Vietnamese and um, communities. And um, 
So besides the residence, the long-term residence program, there's a couple hi highlights I want to mention about Kimochi. One is their philosophy, caring for their cli clients. They belong, they believe in multicultural culture involve the family members in the care. Um, so this is a great opportunity that the whole family is involved in the care. And besides that, Kimochi also offer, um, besides the long-term, long they also offer the respite program. And uh, the respite program provide a temporary short-term, 24-hour super, supervised care at the facility. This services is available for families in need of backup care for an elderly member, especially during period of caregiving, uh, caregiver burnout and stress, and or when a senior member is unable to travel with the family. And the program is also an, a provide option for seniors who are being discharged from hospital or who have been recently ill and need a temporary place um, to stay until they feel healthy enough to return home. And Kimochi uses a sliding scale um, to offer uh, subsidies to residents and, um, and their potential residents and who may not afford the um, full monthly rate. Kimochi is a new grantee with us to provide uh, RCFE services. With this grant support, uh, the operation cost will allow Kimochi to continue support residents uh, with the subsidies. And uh, next, I'm going to into uh, self-help for the elderly. Self-help for the elderly has founded in 1966. Again, over 50 years, 57 years, um, providing services uh, in San Francisco. The agency's mission promotes independence, well-being, and dignity for older adults through culturally aligned services and programs in San Francisco and throughout the Bay Area. And in the past 57 years, self-help has grown into organizations that provide comprehensive range of multicultural and multilingual um, services. Self-help's RCFE program is at Autumn Grow Alzheimer Care Home, which is also known as Autumn Grow, which is located in Hayes Valley. Uh, it's a three-story Victorian building, and it uh, has uh, 15 beds. Uh, three of the beds are single occupancy and all the rest are double occupancy. And it was a, initially a self-help for the elderly project funded by the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development and the Mayor's Office of Housing and also contracted with Department of Public Health to provide RCFE services back in 1996, I believe. And, um, but in 20s, in 2018, the DPH contract transferred to DAS, where we believe this is a better fit within our department mission. Um, and uh, Autumn Grow has been a licensed RCFE since 2001 with 15 beds capacity, as I mentioned earlier. Autumn Grow is in full compliance with Title 22 RCFE program requirement with community care license and to provide care for individuals with dementia. And Autumn Grow also needs to meet additional Title 22 requirement uh, in this regulation, which include that they need to have provide the staff with additional train, training um, and uh, on especially dementia-related topics, um, medication management, uh, how to handle wandering and aggression and inappropriate behaviors. Um, the facility also required to have a security feature. 
and um, and also some physical plan modification may be required. So this additional regulation um, also requires that the, the resident's health condition and cognitive condition being closely monitored and being communicated with the uh, resident's primary care provider. Um, so the brand will support um, this additional operational cost for self-help. Uh, residents eligible for the program must have a dementia diagnosis and, um, and also be qualified as a tenant based on U.S. Uh, HUD uh, criteria. 90% um, of the Autumn Grove staff uh, is bilingual. They speak both English and Chinese in different dialogue. Self-help for the elderly has the capacity to provide multilingual, multicultural support for older adults and adults with disability in Vietnamese, Malay, Tagalog, Spanish, and Russian. Um, so at, at this time, I would like to pause and like to uh, see if you have any questions I can answer. Thank you. Thank you very much for that comprehensive explanation, though. Um, any comments from commissioners? Did I do. Yeah. <coughs> I do have a question. Thank you again for a comprehensive presentation. Um, I just actually have some questions on the budget. <clears throat> Very high level question. Um, one, thank you. One has to do with the budget for um, Kimochi. I noticed that one of the line items indicates there's uh, amount budget for resident subsidy. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Okay, yes, that's great. Uh, it's a really good question. Kimochi has been providing subsidy program for their client. As we all know that longevity and um, Kimochi residents average age is about 94. And many of the residents has been in the facility for a long time and their um, saving depleted. And at one point they won't be able to afford the the the, the rate. And so at that time, Kimochi do fundraising to helping with the subsidies. Oh. And uh, so at this time, there is a few cl cl uh, residents actually pay, paying 50% of the rate. Um, so the, the funding is really helping them to continue to provide support for those residents and also potential residents who do not have the resource to, okay. to right. access you. the market rate. That's, that's, that sounds like a really uh, great thing to be able to, to uh, cover the cost of. Uh, my other question has to do kind of generally. I noticed with Kimochi, in terms of the budget, it is indeed a budget that covers various operational expense. But when I look at the budget for self-help for the elderly, I notice most of the funds goes to staffing. Um, can you kind of explain the differences? Both uh, agencies, they, they plan their budget a little bit different. And for Kimochi, um, there's a subsidies, and they also have some operation costs. For self-help, as I mentioned, they have additional staffing costs. So, uh, so for example, they have a medication management. So for people with dementia, they normally need additional assistance with their medication management. Self-help have staff oversee that. And so the staffing cost is really high at self-help. So the funding is really helping them to stabilize the, um, the staffing cost. Okay, so they need more help in terms they of need more cost help. of staffing. Okay. Yes, and, and also dementia client has, um, we need more uh, staffing to support um, the needs. Some, with, uh, one, some may need a one-on-one -on -one behavior um, 
support. So the staffing really support the program. Okay, thank you. You're very welcome. Questions from commissioners? Then do we have any members of the public who want to comment on this item? Are there any members of the public that would like, that would like to comment on agenda item I? Moderator, please open the phone lines for public comment on agenda item I. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? There are no callers. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Uh, then uh, hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item I from commissioners? I move. Second. Okay, Commissioner Bittner has moved. A second from Vice President Spears. Uh, can we please take a roll call vote to approve item I? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yeah. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Great. Thank you, Commissioners. Um, the next order of business is Agenda Item J, requires a vote by the Commission, requesting authorization to enter into a new grant agreement with the Bayview Senior Services and Conard House for the provision of money management services program for the period of July 1st, 2023 to June 30th, 2027 in the amount of $872,688 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $959,957. And Melissa McGee. Uh, will present this item. Welcome back. Hello. Thank you. Good morning again. Um, I'm seeking your approval. Sorry, I had a typo. I'm seeking your approval for the grant agreement with two community-based organizations, Bayview Senior Services and Conard House, for the provision of the Money Management Services Program. Both programs assist participants in managing their personal finances to ensure their everyday, everyday needs are met. A primary focus of the program is to keep participants in their homes by helping them budget and meet the required financial obligations. The Bayview program provides for an intake and assessment process to determine needs and obligations and then assist clients in meeting those needs. Also, they can act as a representative payee to ensure bills are paid. The program will also act as a liaison for the participants with government entities from whom the individual receives funds, such as Social Security. The Conard program assists participants in daily management of income and focuses on working with the clients to ensure payment of rent and utilities. They will also assist in completion and submission of Social Security paperwork so there is no break in income. The program also actively makes referrals to other community programs as needed. I request your approval to enter into this contract. Are there any questions or comments? Any questions or comments from commissioners? I'm seeing none. Do we have any public comment on this item? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on item J? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item J. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, are there any callers in the queue? There are no callers. Thank you very much. And hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item J from Commissioner? So moved. 
from uh, Commissioner Parker Pennington and a second, I think, from Commissioner Sklar. Um, could we have a roll call vote? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yeah. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Wum is absent. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Okay, thank you. <coughs> thank you. Um, Commissioners, the next order of business is agenda item K, requires a vote by the commission, review and approval of the California Department of Aging contract OM2223-06, the associated budget and all subsequent amendments. And uh, Mike Sog will present this item, welcome. Good morning, commissioners, executive director uh, Dearman. Good to see everyone this morning. The item before you today, the headline here is that with the approval of this, we will be able to access $1.2 million in federal funding, that, or state funding, that we intend to turn around and utilize um, subsequently with a community-based organization for services in the community. That's the headline. Um, <laughs> this is called the Modernizing the Older Californians Act, so I felt like there was no way I couldn't talk about that. Um, so I'm going to attempt to talk about that and keep everyone engaged here. So. 1980, we have the passage of the State of California legislation, the Older Californians Act, which I think is kind of like a complement or parallel to the larger federal Older Americans Act. Um, at that time, it created the California Department of Aging, as well as helped establish um, the network of area agencies on aging throughout the state, of which there are 33 in California. 1996, there's an amendment to the Older Californians Act which infuses state funding into a series of newly identified programs in the community. Uh, this includes the Linkages Program, which is like a case management program, Alzheimer's Daycare Resource Center, Senior Companion, Respite Care, Purchase of Services, a couple other programs. Fast forward to 2008, the Great Recession. Um, the state of California cuts, um, eliminates all of these new, these, these 1996 programs, cuts all funding for them, ending the, um, them at the state level. At that time, the city and DOS um, step in and utilize local funding to continue support for most, if not all, of the programs that we were operating here in the city. Um, that continues to today. Um, in recent years, there is the California Association of Area Agencies on Aging, which is exactly what its title is. It is all the AAA is getting together um, and, and, and coordinating advocacy efforts and other efforts. I believe uh, Director Dearman is an active part of that uh, organization. Um, they had a 2022 advocacy effort, which included um, re in, uh, restating, reinforcing or bringing back funding for those 1996 programs. Um, they were ultimately successful in doing that. Um, so we have um, some funding that has come forward through recent um, budget, uh, budget processes of past years at the state level. It has now trickled down to the point they've gone through their allocations and things um, where we are now able to access that funding. So it's here, it's $1.2 million. Um, it has a series of specific categories where we um, um, are, are able to allocate these funds. Um, we are going to, today, we are here today letting you know we are going to utilize these funds within the aging in place category, um, which is a broad category that includes a variety of different services, again, designed to maximize um, 
people's independence and lives in the community. Um, between, um, also, CDA recently got in touch and said, hey, we sent you this contract. They sent this to all AAAs. Hey, let's, uh, let's expedite getting these things approved. Um, and I think reading between the lines there is thinking about the larger budget picture and when we do budgeting and things like that, for them to have all these grant agreements in place, these commitments to the local communities, um, I think that that strengthens the, the, that this, these funds will truly be available to us. Um, so between that, having to, to, to get at this quickly, um, and our busy end of fiscal year, um, I come to you today with not a lot of details about what we are going to use these funds for, just some, the broad category. Um, but what I can tell you is that we will um, use the next few months clarifying and figuring out the details on that program, as well as any corresponding um, procurements or other contracting actions that are required. And it will come back um, before the commission at that time with those details and for approval to utilize those funds in community. And that's it. Any questions? <laughs> um, are, are we voting on mm -hmm. this? Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure I feel comfortable without details on uh, this item. Um, it's really appropriate if I I mean, I'm sorry. I shouldn't explain something you can explain so much better. Yeah, but, yeah. So what we're, how we've done this before, yeah. and it's just the context for the Yeah, I am new here. No, no, no. It oh, makes sorry. sense. Yes. It's it's yeah. a very legitimate question. Okay. So the California Department of Aging, we're we have to contract with them to access these dollars. And one of the things we have to show is well, we sign it, of course, but we have to come before you and say, here's here we are hoping to enter into this contract agreement with them. And as part of that contract agreement, we have to um, submit a budget to them, which is included here, and it's 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 very general in what we're hoping to do. It says we're going to use these funds um, in this programmatic area, and we're going to use a community-based contractor as opposed to keeping the funds in-house and using them with staff. Now, as far as CDA is concerned, that is enough for them. They are they are okay with that, and will enter into contract with us. Now, I think I'm I'm trying to, to channel your concerns, so I don't want to speak for you, but I think you're, you're saying this is a big dollar amount that, you know, I need to sign, you know, what are we doing with this? Give me more details. And we will do that. So in order to, for us to turn, so today we're completing the first transaction of getting those dollars down from the state. We'll come back before the commission in probably 60, 90 days um, with details. In order to take those dollars from our department and put them out in community, we'll come back at that time with details that look a lot like the other items on the commission um, docket that have um, description of services, that have deliverables, that have um, detailed budgets with where you know down to the dollar for each one. Thank you for that. I and I okay. I don't mean to. You know, no, no, no. Let's. It's just that I mean, you know, my corporate and Silicon Valley background are very data focused, and so I'm just was looking for data, and that's fine. I'm I'm good with that explanation. Okay. Thank you. And I think by by listing um, the categories where it, it, the funding will go into, and certainly the and what I was going to add to this is certainly um, all of these categories that are listed here are within 
our mission, the various documents we've passed during the year as a commission, the top-level stuff we do saying, here are our priorities, here are the programs we want to uh, do based on community input and all those good things. And, and as I was looking through this, every, every one of those categories fits something that we have said we want funded. So that's, it wasn't something that was out of line, <laughs> you know, like where did that come from kind of thing. It's more like, no, these are definitely uh, programs that we're familiar with. We said we wanted them funding. We funded them in the past. So we will assume and can assume th they're, they're going to fit this within that guideline. And those guidelines are something we've, we've approved in other documents. So that's kind of how it fits together as, from my standpoint as a commissioner. Okay. When I look oh, thank you for indulging. Too. I do <laughs> think about it. Yeah. Okay. Is there anything else there? Okay. okay. Um, any other commissioner? Does anyone from the public want to comment on this item? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on item K? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item K. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? There are no callers. Thank you very much. Okay, then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item 13K? I move. Um, second. Commissioner Bittner has moved and a second. Second. From uh, Commissioner Jung, uh, could we have a roll call vote on um, item 13K, please? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Linda Parker-Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Um, Commissioner, the next order of business is agenda item L and requires a vote by the commission requesting approval of sole, a sole source waiver and authorization to enter into a new sole source grant agreement with the Felton Institute for the provision of a senior companion program during the period of July 1st, 2023 through June 30th, 2028 in the amount of $496,065 plus a 10% contingency for a total grant amount not to exceed $545,672. And Erica Maybaum will present this item Welcome. Hi, good morning, commissioners. Good morning, uh, President Knutson, Director Dearman, and commissioners. Uh, my name is Erica Maybaum, and I'm a program analyst at the Office of Community Partnership. Today, I'm seeking your approval to enter into a new five-year sole source agreement with Felton Institute for the Senior Companion Program. Felton Institute continues to be selected as the federal recipient for the administration of the Senior Companion Program in San Francisco. The Federal Senior Companion model states that local dollars can be used to support the program. DOS expanded the Federal Senior Companion Program and is supplementing with local general fund to provide a more robust program. And that's what's here for your consideration today. This program is geared to empower low-income adults age 55 and older to enrich their social context through regular and ongoing volunteers who, pr who provide support services in an effort to maintain independent living. Volunteers are vetted and placed with older adults and adults with disabilities who need support with everyday tasks and have been and have the added benefit of companionship. Volunteers are asked to work between 15 to 40 hours per week, receive 20 hours of pre-service orientation and monthly in-service training throughout the program. Volunteers are also given a modest stipend for their time. 
program volunteers currently have language capacity to serve older adults who speak Chinese, Russian, Filipino, and Spanish. Felton conducts outreach for this program at events, um, at events and tabling via social media and calling and emailing organizations. In addition, case managers, residential coordinators, and social workers also inform Felton and guide them to clients that could benefit from the volunteer services, particularly those most at risk and have limited families or outside contacts or resources. Felton was also excited to share that they may soon be able to do public service announcements on public radio stations uh, for outreach. For Felton's program, each volunteer will work with five clients. Volunteers do all activities with their clients, including going on with them on appointments, exercise, laundry, running errands with them, cooking, reading, writing, basically anything in lines with independent activities of daily living where volunteers would do with their clients so they can continue to manage their independence and decrease isolation. Volunteers may go into clients' homes, but client homes, but can also work with clients in adult day programs. Volunteers work with a variety of clients, including those who are living with Alzheimer's, survivals of stroke, uh, diabetes, and mental illness. Felton will provide a minimum of 10 unduplicated senior volunteers to serve as senior companions, with a minimum of 10,400 volunteer hours, and serve a minimum of 50 unduplicated older adult. I'm happy to answer any questions you may have. Are there any questions from commissioners on this item? Then do we, seeing none, do we have any uh, members of the public who'd like to comment on item K? Are there any members of the public? L. Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on item L? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comments on agenda item L. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Uh, there are no callers. Thank you very much. Right. Then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item 13L from commissioners? Moved. Uh, from Vice President Spears and a second. Commissioner <coughs> Lum, uh, could we please take a roll call vote to approve item L? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Thank you, Commissioners. The next order of business is agenda item M and requires a vote by the Commission. It's requesting authorization to enter into a new grant agreement with the ARC San Francisco for the provision of supportive employment services for the period of July 1st, 2023 through June 30th, 2027 in the amount of $467,000 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $513,700. And Noah Gallo will present this item. Welcome. Hello, thank you. Uh, good morning, uh, commissioners and uh, executive Dearman. Uh, my name is Noah Gallo, and I'm an analyst with the Office of Community Partnerships. I'm here today to request your approval to enter in a new agreement with the ARC for the provision of supportive employment services. The Supportive Employment Services Program provides employment opportunities for adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities. The ARC under the Supportive Employment Services Grants hires, trains, places, and supervises program participants. This program helps create and establish a stable and reliable workforce, training participants to complete services such as janitorial 
organization of office supplies, and working in the mailroom. The clients are supervised by a job coach that sets up trainings, helps clients create resumes, and works with them to set measurable goals. Each client is assigned to one site. In total, this program services six different human service agency work sites. By being participants of this program, clients will have continued employment and engagement while experiencing increased integration and inclusion in a work setting and receiving the economic benefit of regular income. That is my presentation, and I will do my best to answer any questions you have at this time. Thank you. Thank you. Do we have any questions or comments from commissioners on this item? Just have a, I just have a comment. Sure. Yeah. I noticed that um, this program has been in place since uh, it's noted as since 2020, 2006, about 17 years. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? I yeah. Th I think it's just a fantastic 2016. program. Yeah. yeah. It's great. Yeah, it's just a, a really great program that gives our clients a, a, ch a chance to uh, to have uh, workforce employment. Um, yeah, it's just a great program. Okay, any other comments? Thank you for that. Um, are there any, uh, there, hearing no further comments from the commissioners, is there anyone from the public who wishes to comment on agenda item M? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on agenda item M? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item M. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Are there no callers? Thank you very much. Okay, then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve um. item uh, 13M? I heard a motion to approve from uh, Commissioner Bittner and a second from, I second. Uh, from Commissioner Jung. Uh, could we please have a roll call vote on uh, to approve item uh, 13M? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Um, commissioners, the next order of business is agenda item N and requires a vote by the commission. It's a review and approval of the California Department of Aging's Modernizing Older Californians Act Nutrition Grant contract number NM 2324-06, the associated budget and all subsequent amendments. And Tiffany Kearney will uh, present this item. Welcome. Okay, um, thank you. And good morning, President Knudsen, commissioners and executive director Dearman. My name is Tiffany Kearney. I'm the lead uh, nutritionist for DOS. Um, similar to Mike Zog, um, this morning I'm presenting for approval a California Department of Aging uh, contract intended to support the modernization, um, but this one is specifically for nutrition services and programming in the community. The additional funding from CDA comes to us through a state budget initiative approved this year known as the Modernizing the Older Americans Act. And because we like our acronyms, you may hear it referred to as MOCA. Um, <laughs> through um, the MOCA uh, nutrition contract, DOS will receive $3,078,036 over a four-year period starting in fiscal year 24 and ending in um, fiscal year 27. Before the COVID-19 pandemic, 
the need to modernize state and federal policies related to community-based services for older adults and adults with, uh, with disabilities was starting to be addressed. In June of 2019, California had started to work on a master plan for aging. As we all know, a little less than a year later, the pandemic reached California. Um, but the pandemic made it more apparent than ever that older adults and adults with disabilities needed easy access to a strong network of aging and disability services in the community. The pandemic also underscored the development of a master plan for aging was essential as well as timely. The state was able to apply the lessons learned um, during the pandemic when developing the master plan on aging, which was released in January of 2021. And the master plan calls for the modernization of the Older Californian Act. DOS will use um, the funding available in the next two fiscal years to support the nutrition needs of DOS consumers, which remain elevated um, and exceed our baseline funding levels and are not met in our um, nutrition partners' current budgets. The DOS for, uh, portfolio of nutrition services is scheduled for procurement in fiscal year 15, and uh, new nutrition grants will start in fiscal year 26. DOS plans to allocate the final two years of MOCA funding based on the current Dignity Fund needs, our service and allocation plan, and the data available um, and relevant priorities uh, related to nutrition support in the community at that time. Um, so thank you again very much for your time, and I will do my best to answer any questions you may have right now. Okay. Um, do we have any questions from commissioners? Did you want to? Yeah, so Sorry. I'm on the first page of the document. It says that the term of the contract is from July 1st, 23 through March 31st of 29. Is it? And then I'm just trying to get the dates. Yeah, I've so um, <laughs> that's because the way the, the MOCA funding is sort of the way they're, um, it's structured. Um, there's a couple of years. Um, to spend the funding. So the funding that will be released in fiscal year 27, we will have, um, I believe, up to two years, probably the, ninth, the 2029 to spend it. Okay. In, in reality, though, it'll get spent that year. Okay, that's... <laughs> yeah. Okay. So when we accept these dollars from the state, do they put any limit on when we need to spend them? Yeah, so every year, so kind of like that fourth year of funding will need to be spent by 2029. Um, this first year of funding, I think, needs to also be spent within a two-year period. Um, and I could get the exact ones, but yeah, there is a um, there is a limit. But our needs are so great, and we use so much local dollars that it, it's would. I, there's no way it probably wouldn't be used. Um, and very similar to, if you remember, several, several months back, I 
brought to the commission the nutrition infrastructure grant. So very similar to that, like in, um, and I think Mike alluded to it as well, you know, we'll bring, um, when we add the these dollars, the first year I think it's about 760,000 or so, we'll add those to our current um, nutrition partners grants and those will come to you for um, approval. Um, assuming they exceed the contingency amounts. Um, okay, so then my last question mm -hmm. is, do we have any concern about these dollars not coming in from the state on this nutrition since we have such a need and we end up spending the dollars before the end of the period? Yeah, um, I know Kelly is very familiar with the budget. Um, what all the stuff I've read, and I think that um, Genevieve also mentioned it, is that um, the the state dollars, like I th I think based on everything I've read, that we're pretty confident that 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 funding is coming. I think a lot of it, um, again, my understanding from my reading is that um, there was about a like a hundred billion dollar investment or something along those lines. Um, this is like a lot of it is from surplus state budget funding. Right. Okay. So um, that's what's that's what's being. Um, used for this modernization California Act. So um, so I, I hope, I, I don't think so, but I mean, okay. never say never, right? Right, right, thank you. Mm -hmm. I have a question, is this strictly for delivery of services or for um, remodeling or updating the nutrition providers? So um, this funding specifically is for services, so the delivery of, of services. I think in the first, actually, step back. I think in the first year of funding, the contract does say that we can use some of it for infrastructure, um, but we were very fortunate, um, again, last year receiving that infrastructure funding from the state that mm -hmm. the need for infrastructure um, is, um, you know, we haven't been hearing that there's, you know, a great need for that at the moment. So hopefully most of this will go to, um, well, all of it will go to our nutrition partners and for services. Um, you know, be it, I think for the first two years, it'll predominantly be meals. Thank you. Seeing none, uh, do we have any members of the public who'd like to make uh, public? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on agenda item N? Nope. Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item N. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Are there no callers? Thank you very much. Okay, then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion from commissioners to approve item 13N? No move. Second. I heard Commissioner Sklar first, so making the motion second from Vice President Spears. Uh, Mr. Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve item N? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Commissioner Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Thank you. 
Okay, commissioners, before we uh, begin item O, uh, Commissioner Sklar is asked to be recused from item O as she receives some services from one of the contractors, uh, so she'll be leaving the room, uh, which is our normal protocol for anyone who's recusing. Yeah. They don't hear anything about the item. So we'll just wait for that and finish up with our last item. And commissioners, the next order of business is agenda item O, requires a vote by the commission. It's requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreements with multiple providers for the provision of SF Connected Program for the period of July 1st, 2023 through June 30th, 2024 in the additional amount of $2,428,973 plus a 10% contingency for a revised total amount not to exceed $8,096,025. And uh, Sarah Chan, Chan will present this item. Welcome back. Thank you. Good morning again, Commissioner's Executive Director, dear Sarah Chen, uh, Program Analyst from Com uh, Office of Community Partnership. The SF Connect Program's goal is to improve the well-being, quality of life, independence of older adults and adults with disability by bridging the digital divide. We're fortunate to have a community um, local leader and the department uh, to really supporting these services. First, I'm going to talk a little bit about the background about this program, then I will go into the each component of the, of the program. Um, the SF Connected program started in 2010 through a broadband technology and opportunity program, BTOP, grant opportunity. And it's initially found established the 45 te technology lab network and uh, digital literacy training through our community-based organizations. And these labs are in senior center, community service um, centers, um, support housing, affordable housing, adult daycare centers spread throughout the 11 district in the city. The city then support the continuation of the program through general fund uh, since 2013. And in recent years, the digital divide has been um, in the spotlight and funding opportunity from federal and state are available to expand the SF Connected Pro program. And um, as you all recall that uh, my colleague Tiffany Kearney and Mike um, talk about the CDA funding. And if you remember, and last month we present the CDA uh, digital connections funding opportunity. So um, in this future year, uh, fiscal year 23-24, and um, we will be utilizing, so you are actually seeing those funding being allocated to program. Um, so in the past few months, DAS has been reaching out to all our eight uh, SF-connected program grantees about the digital inclusion expansion opportunities with the California Department of Aging's digital connection program funding. And most of the, our grantees choose to participate and, and they propose program expansion um, aligned with the digital connection program. Um, the only two programs um, decide not to expand their SF Connected program capacity with the CDA digital connection funding opportunity are Lighthouse for the Blind and Vision Impaired and Connor House. And these two agencies will receive 100% uh, local fund in their fiscal year 23-24 program renewal. Um, that is at the baseline. And the San Francisco um, 
con uh, connected program has three main components. And the first component I want to cover is the digital literacy training and tech support services. Um, there are six grantees in this component, and they are community living campaign, community tech network, Connell House, self-help for the elderly, the ARC San Francisco, Lighthouse for the Blind, and Vision Impaired. And this grantee um, collectively provide uh, training and support services, and um, they provide in-person and virtually opportunity for consumers, and through classes, workshop, or one-on-one -on -one training or support. Uh, opportunities. And collectively, these services are available in different um, language capacity, English, Spanish, Chinese, um, Cantonese, Mandarin, Russian, Vietnamese, and Tagalog. And the digital literacy training include basic information to computer, setting up an email account, navigating uh, how to use the internet safely, and learning uh, teach the consumer how to use um, video conferencing platform software and to allow the participation and virtual activity and services. And, and in the next fiscal year, the six six grantees will collectively provide 19,698 digital literacy training hour, um, which is a 40% increase compared to our current uh, year, and uh, to over 3,353 consumer, which is about 30% increase up, um, to reach additional consumers. And tech support services provided by those grantees include assist a consumer to, in identifying the best low-cost internet options for their home, applying for programs that support uh, the cost uh, of broadband internet um, at their home, uh, such as affordable connectivity program, or helping the consumers to navigate the uh, subscription process of an internet service provider, and also helping the consumers to provide, um, um, to connect with resources um, for personal devices uh, through federal, state, or local program uh, opportunities. So in this case, and we are going to distribute digital connections, iPads. If you recall, we will be receiving 1,400 iPads, and we are so um, confident to report back that we have been working closely with our uh, community partners, and we're also working with our colleagues at DAS referral um, uh, information referral hub. And so they are well aware of this process. So I'm confidently to say that if a consumer is interested to the program, they can they can just call 415-355-6700. And uh, so through this year, this grant, and uh, collectively, six grantee will provide 4,284 taxable hours, which is a 300% increase compared to fiscal year 22-23. And uh, within those six grantees, we have three grantees, um, Self-Help for the Elderly, Community Living Campaign, and Community Tech Network, while helping us to uh, managing those iPads. Um, so we're very excited to have our community partners. And the second component is the IT-related support that is provided by Urban Equity Group, which is the subcontractor with Community Living Campaign to provide the services. And in uh, fiscal year 23-24, uh, 
Urban Equity Group will provide tech support to more than 200 computers and labs at the established technology lab throughout the city and continue to support the system upgrade that we're planning to do with the Access to Technology Fund. So we're upgrading all the computers there. So they will continue their work and to support the um, system upgrade. And in 23-24, is your if you remember that uh, this year we start a pilot program, uh, Urban Equity Group actually working directly with consumers to helping the consumer resolve any um, personal device issue. So we think this is a great opportunity when a consumer bring a broken device. And they're not only providing some technical support to fix the device by upgrading or um, refresh the operating system, they can also identify if the consumer do not have a reliable device and they can refer the client to a, uh, our, one of our partners to distribute the iPads. Um, and the last component I want to cover is the San Francisco Connect Tech Council grant. And this grant provides our great opportunity to partnership with our communities. And this grant provides administrative support to the SF Tech Council and um, has being and will be provided by the consultant through the grantee of um, Community Living Campaign. And the Tech Council is a mission-driven, multi-sector initiative that brings together government, business, nonprofits, and consumers that uh, work together to advance digital inclusion for older adults and adults with disability. And the consultant staff provide planning and administrative services, and they organize, facilitate documents, and provide support to all tax council meetings during their committee, their workshop meeting. And um, currently, all the meetings are conducted virtually, but they do plan to occasionally meet in person um, because during the pandemic, the, virtually is really a great way and to connect people, but um, they do plan in uh, fiscal year 23-24 have some occasionally in-person meeting. Um, and in 23-24, and specifically with talking about the opportunity to partnership with community partners. And the SF Tech Council will collaborate with community organization to plan and co conduct a digital inclusion event. Um, one, one, some of the example for the events is like a tech support pop-up. So they, they, they bring people together and helping people um, to understand if they have any device issue so this is great event, and they also connect people with affordable uh, connectivity pro program. And, um, and in 23-24, they also want to um, support uh, 10 digital inclusion projects in the community. So there's one of the projects we are so excited to report back to the commission is we know that for long history, and we know there's an internet um, connectivity issue at Sequoia Living's uh, Aquatic Park. So with this digital inclusion kind of project, we've been reaching out to Sequoia Living and we will bring a 5G um, internet connection to that site. So we're working with our um, tech um, subcontractor, uh, Urban Equity Group, and we're also working with our uh, SF Tech Council with this digital inclusion project. And another exciting, um, um, highlight for the digital inclusion project is where all the tech council has identified there has been always a challenge for older adults and adults with disability to 
when they're going into a healthcare setting um, to access their, for example, making medical appointment or reviewing their medical records. And so there's always a gap, a digital gap, that related to their um, uh, capability to really fully utilize the the, the, the resource and access the, the record. So Tech Council is uh, working on that to work with our community partners and to see if we can have a training and have a, that tra training bring to the community and also uh, working with the clinic. When the clinic identify a consumer, may, a patient may have a challenge, they can refer the client, um, the patient, to our community partner to receive that literacy training uh, support. Um, so so in the, our recent uh, program review, um, that all these grantees are in full compliance with all program standards. Um, so I'm happy to answer any questions you may have. Great, thank, thank you so much. It's a huge comp comprehensive program, so thank you for that detail. And uh, we've been tracking that iPad program for quite a, quite a while, so it's good to see that that's gonna be happening. Um, any other comments or questions from commissioners on this? Okay. Do we have any members of the public who want to make a comment? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on item O? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item O. We will allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? There are no callers. Thank you very much. And hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item 13O from commissioners? So moved. From Commissioner Parker Pennington as moved. Second. Second from uh, Vice President Spears. Uh, could we please take a roll call vote to approve item O? President, uh, President Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yeah. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? She's was she's, oh she's, she's sorry. <laughs> it's a unanimous vote. Thank you. Okay, thank you, commissioners. Uh, do we have any announcements? Oh, oh. Commissioner Sklar, real quick. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> Lost her out in the. Uh... Thank you. Of course. Um, then we're just moving to item 14. Are there any announcements? Hearing none, then I'm going to adjourn my meeting and pass this gavel over. <laughs> <laughs>